Welcome to Minority Landlords Podcast, your manual to financial freedom. Are you looking to escape the nine to five rat race? Do you wanna earn passive income while building generational wealth for you and your family and don't know how to get started? Well, you're at the right place. Here at Minority Landlords, we're here to help educate minorities about real estate investing. And now your host, Pepe Amoti. Hey, it's your host Pepe with the 16th episode of Minority Landlords Podcast here presenting you all with the very first episode of this year. Again, Happy New Year, folks. Let's all take this new year as a new beginning. I hope you all have set some good goals and are ready to work towards those goals. And like I said in last week's episode, stick to those goals long enough and you will see them coming to fruition. I don't care if it's fitness goal, mental health goal, real estate goal, education goal, whatever it is, stick to them long enough this year. No more giving up by February, folks. Nope, nope, no more giving up by March. No more giving up by end of January. No, this year we are sticking to our goals. This year we are staying around long enough. One other important thing I would like to mention that stress people out when it comes to goals is setting unrealistic goals and expectations. Please make sure your goals are realistic. Don't say you are trying to go from 700 pounds to 200 pounds in a couple of months. Nope, that won't work. Don't say you want to buy 50 units in the next couple of months when you've never bought even one unit before. Nope, that will never work. Start small. Value the steady pace and those small beginnings to get you to bigger things. This is not about trying to discourage you all to not dream big. No, I'm not trying to do that. As a matter of fact, dream as big as you can. But when it comes to goals and working towards something, never despise those days of small beginnings. Set big goals and work towards them step by step in spite of how small steps they are. Stick to them long enough and we'll get where you are trying to get. All right, folks. Anyways, let's now switch today to, to today's topic, which is rent to own versus seller financing. We are continuing with creative financing series that I started a few weeks ago. I just took last week to discuss how to crush it in real estate this year because it was the last week of 2021. So today I'll be talking about rent to own versus seller financing. Just like the previous creative financing episodes, I won't be talking about the dichotomy of these two and which I think is better. No, but rather I'll just be providing you all information on what they are, the advantages and disadvantages so that you can know that they do exist as an option out there for you. Creative financing is very crucial. I'm currently doing partial creative financing with the deals I currently have under contract too. So so you really should learn these creative financing methods if you are on a scale. If you are just focusing on the traditional methods of saving and buying, then saving and buying, it's good. But if you want to scale faster and reach the road to financial freedom even faster without having to use so much of your own funds or hard-earned sweat, then 
creative financing might be for you. Try to really understand how they work. They are, there's a bunch of gurus out there that make them sound very easy so they can take your money. Though, quite frankly, you don't need a guru to teach you this stuff, folks. You don't need a guru. Learn them through this podcast, through another podcast. I don't care. Through some website out there, there is a lot of resources that you can learn the ins and outs of these different creative financing methods. Or even find some investor who's experienced that has done this. Or if they haven't, they probably know somebody who's done it. And just connect with people and learn. There's so many different resources around you so that you really understand these things and put them into action. Anyways, let's get at it so I don't spend too much time rambling about my detest for internet gurus. Y'all know I don't like gurus. So rent to own, what it is, rent to own, it's also known as lease option. This is basically when a landlord rents out a home to a tenant with a legal agreement allowing the tenant the right to purchase that home from the landlord within a certain period of time. Pepe, what? Yes, such things exist. This is usually the case when maybe the person cannot buy the house because for whatever reason they can't qualify to buy the house, maybe due to their low credit scores, lack of down payment, and many other factors that can affect someone from obtaining a traditional mortgage. This is not something special that you you find it in certain website and whatnot. No, it's just a typical process. If a tenant or potential tenant is interested in doing such a thing and you are down to sell the property to them in a year or two or three or so, then in addition to your regular lease, you can also sign an additional options agreement. I'll say to please check though with your attorney before you get involved in this so that they can further tell you how the process works, the agreement you all would have to sign and such because it may vary from state to state. So, and once the lease term ends we, with this whole method, once the lease term ends, the tenant will have to obtain financing so that their landlord can be paid in full. Does that make sense? For you tenants out there, some things you need to be aware of. Number one, you lock in the purchase price when you get into a contract with the landlord. That's why I say you have to have a lawyer to make sure that they draft you all these agreements. Don't just go by whatever the landlord is telling you. So ensure that you bring your own lawyer as well to just make sure that everything is going smoothly. Number two, the landlord cannot sell the property to anyone else but you within a certain agreed upon period of time. Number three, you as a tenant, you are responsible for paying rent every single month as well as an agreed upon amount for option fee. The option fee is basically an upfront down payment that is found in most rent to own home ownership programs. Usually it's a couple of thousand dollars and it all depends on your home's value. And this fee will also usually it gets applied towards the down payment once the tenant is ready to take over the property. Does that make sense? So let's look at some advantages of this to a seller. And one of the advantages is the fact that in these programs, tenants, they make their own repairs if anything happened to their property, which can in turn cut down the cost 
for you as a landlord. This will also need to be agreed between you and the tenant, whether it's all repairs or just some few minor repairs. So you guys, the, the, the tenants and the landlord will have to figure out what repairs the tenant will be responsible for and what the landlord will be for, or if the landlord will still be responsible for every repair, or if the tenant will still will be responsible for every repair. So you guys will have to work that through whatever agreement that you all sign. The second advantage is as the seller, you don't have to pay for an agent commission. Usually that's 6% commission. You won't have to pay it, which is great. The third is high chance the tenant will treat your property better because it's eventually theirs. And in return, reducing your cost or headache of dealing with that particular property. The fourth advantage is that the tenants have to buy the property once you all have signed a contract. And if they don't, then you get to keep their down payment, which can be a substantial amount of money depending on the purchase price. So you'll be rest assured that the tenant will either have to purchase the property at the end of their lease, or you will have to keep their thousands of dollars of down payments, which is sort of a win-win if you look at it. Let's look at some advantages to the tenant too. As a tenant, you might get a good price because it's basically an off-market deal. A lot of time with off-market deals, you're more likely to negotiate and whatnot and get a much better deal rather than had you done it through MLS. Number two, you can lock in a good deal even with a psychic credit score or lack of enough funds to purchase a home outright, right? So you have the ability now to not have to worry about your credit or not having enough money to purchase this particular property, but you still be able to like lock in and put into under contract without having to go through this whole lengthy financial institution processes. The other advantage is you will have gained enough knowledge of the, the property, the location and such before you settle in it since you are basically test driving the house for a couple of years before it actually becomes yours. And if it's affects you enough that you don't like, you might be like, you know what? I don't care if my down payment gets taken. It might not be even that crazy a lot of money rather than having to deal with a property that maybe you don't really, really want to spend years and years or the rest of your life in it. Does that make sense? The other advantage is once you get into option contract, you're essentially building equity from day one before you even buy the property. Isn't that great? So the value of that property will keep going up. Now, instead of the owner benefiting from that growth equity for the one, two or three years, that equity will be yours from day one. One advice that I'll give tenants though is please do your due diligence before getting into this kind of contract. Make sure you are trading it just as you would when you are buying a house outright from the MLS and whatnot. So don't just go in it blind. Make sure that you learn the ins and outs of it, all right? Let's look at some disadvantages of this. Number one, some renters might end up not buying the property because they can't obtain financing, which in this case is a high chance they might not because they might have gotten themselves into this because of maybe their credit sucks and whatnot, right? So they might have some financial issues there, hence why they got into this deal. The likelihood of them not obtaining financing is still pretty high. The second disadvantage is that you are still required to cover most costs associated with running the property. If you end up with, let's say, a tenant that can't pay rent or utilities, if you end up with a deadbeat tenant, guess what? You are still responsible for all of these. Because remember, 
a lot of time those tenants in this rent to own program like i said they have bad credit and whatnot affecting them from buying so your likelihood of of encountering these issues are relatively higher the third disadvantage is it can be disadvantage to tenants if the price of the home drops due to let's say recession or depression and whatnot and it can also be an advantage if the price goes up. Same point it is, it's an advantage for the landlord if the price goes down since they had already locked in the price. But it's also an, a disadvantage to the landlord if the price goes so high within that, that last year, two or three, because now you already have that under contract, under an agreement, let's say a couple of years ago. And now let's say if something that happened like 2020 when the price just skyrocketed and you had put it under agreement back, let's say in 2019 or 2018, you cannot benefit from this hot market, but rather you'll have to adhere to the contract and sell that house to that particular person based on whatever amount of money you guys had agreed upon back when you signed that contract. Now let's talk about seller financing. Seller financing, this is where financial institutions are completely eliminated and the property owner is serving as a mortgage lender. Basically, the buyer pays the seller in installments rather than using a traditional financing means such as the bank or other typical financial institutions that we are, we are used to. Again, in this method, the bank isn't involved at all, but rather the buyer and the seller are involved along with their lawyers to draft the seller's financial agreements. Some advantages of seller financing, number one, to the seller, you won't have to be paying property taxes, utility bills, insurance, and all other costs associated with the property since the new person will take those over. The second advantage to the seller is that you will save on closing costs since you won't have to pay agents and whatnot. The third advantage to the seller is you are more likely to sell your property faster without even having to do major repairs. So now look at, let's look at some advantages of seller financing to the buyer. Number one is this, it's a flexible agreement. Usually the agreements are super flexible that you guys will have to agree upon. The second advantage of seller financing to the buyer is there's no need for going through the hassle of the mortgage process. The third advantage of seller financing is it's great for those with no enough down payment or those with poor credit. So you as a buyer, if you have poor credit or do not have enough down payment, then definitely look into seller financing. You might end up finding yourself with some good deals. I've known people that have bought so many units without having to use their own money, but rather just using seller financing methods. The fourth advantage of seller financing to the buyer is the fact that there's very low closing expenses. Just like to the seller, the closing costs are tremendously cut down because you guys just made an agreement between you all two. Now let's look at some disadvantages of seller financing. First of all, the disadvantages of seller financing to the buyer. Number one, sometimes there's no inspection or appraisal required. So you may be screwed a lot of times those buyers, they don't want you to put any, like a lot of contingencies on this contract. So if you ask for inspection or appraisal and whatnot, it might turn them off. 
The second disadvantage of seller financing to the buyer is you are not very protected since when banks are involved they usually have more regulations because they're trying to protect their money so they'll look into a lot of things such as appraisal and whatnot to make sure it's, it's appraised correctly and what in this situation you are more likely to be screwed as a buyer because you are not really protected but rather just going by whatever agreement you guys created between you and the seller the third disadvantage of seller financing to the buyer is mistakes can happen such as if there's a lien on a property and the seller hid it from you if the seller is sketchy and there's a lien on the property that can screw you up so you have to make sure that you really do your due diligence to ensure that you don't find yourself in these kind of situations i've known people that have actually lost their properties due to liens in their property the fourth disadvantage usually the interest rate is much higher than the traditional bank so really as a buyer pay attention to how much the interest rate is that the seller is trying to lock you in because you don't want to overpay at the same time if your credit sucks you don't have money and you're getting a good deal just take it high interest so be it as long as you can refinance it in the next year or so or whatever it should be fine so pay attention to it but don't let it be a reason for you not to take the deal all right so let's look at some disadvantages of seller financing to the seller there's not a lot of disadvantages but one of the biggest one is the fact that there's a higher risk of buyer default that can happen pretty frequently in this situation and overall these creative financing methods are amazing and you all should consider them and see if you can utilize them don't let lack of money deter you from investing folks if you don't have enough money and are willing to risk seller financing or rent to own here i've given you all the pros and cons and more details on them for your consideration as always don't let anything stop you from reaching your goals if you have to do some crazy financing methods or means even those with high interest for a short period of time then do it it's fine like i said why because you can always refinance them at a better terms later on but make sure that you check the terms and see after when you are allowed to do so all right folks happy new year again and until next time stay hungry Thank you for listening to Minority Landlords Podcast. Please like and subscribe and leave us a rating on iTunes so that we can reach as many people as possible. We will appreciate it if you tell your friends and family, too, about the podcast. Also visit us at MinorityLandlords.com.
your, your, your landlord's home. Don't do that. Cut it. This is usually the case when maybe the person cannot buy the house because for whatever reason they can't qualify to buy the house maybe due to their low credit scores lack of down payment and many other factors that can affect someone from obtaining a traditional mortgage this is not something special you find it in certain sites this this is not something special that you you find it in certain website and whatnot. No, it's just a typical process. If a tenant or potential tenant is interested in doing such a thing and you are down to sell the property to them in a year or two or three or so, then in addition to your regular lease, you can sign, you can also sign an additional options agreement. I would say to please check with your attorney first. I'll say to please check though with your attorney before you get involved in this 